Hey, this is Aaron Brockett, lead pastor of Traders Point Church. Regardless of where you are tuning in around the world or if you call Indianapolis home, I just wanna thank you for tuning in to our weekly message podcast. Our prayer and desire is that God would take the content of these messages and use it to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus as you discover God's purpose for your life. Good to see you. I want to uh, just welcome all of our guests and first-time visitors, uh, wherever you may be joining us from. We are one church gathering in multiple rooms and locations around our great city. Uh, So I want to give a great big shout out to each and every one of our campuses. Come on, man, put your hands together for all of our campuses. And uh, I know that a number of you watch uh, on your screen around the globe, maybe a little bit later this week, you're watching On Demand want to welcome you wherever you may be tuning in from. Uh, today we're wrapping up this series called Fresh Faith, but before we jump into that, just a couple things I just want to um, make you aware of. First is next Sunday, uh, we're going to be doing a short two-part series of messages called On Edge, and we're going to be talking about the very um, heavy but very relevant subject of anxiety and depression. And so next week, I've actually already got the message written. I'm excited about what God's going to do and say through this. And we're going to be talking about freedom from anxiety next Sunday. So I want to encourage you at all of our campuses to be here for that. Invite a friend or a family member to come with you. I know that for some of you, uh, you might get nervous because this is the subject, and I understand that. I just want you to know this is a subject that touches all of us, including me. And all of us find ourselves on this spectrum at some place, and God actually has a lot to say about it, and it's going to be an encouraging message. So I want to encourage you to be here next week for that. And then the second thing is, as you saw in the church news clip, is today is Stand Sunday. And what that is, is as a church, we just want to take a stand for vulnerable kids all across our country that are the victims of abuse and abandonment and neglect, resulting in them being put into the foster care system. And this is a problem all over our country, but it's a big problem in our state. According to the, some of the latest statistics coming from the Indiana Department of Child Services, in our state alone, there's almost 16,000 children that are in foster care. Uh, that's gone up 67% since 2012. Uh, on average, uh, kids in our state spend more time in the foster care system than any other state, an average of about 570 days. And as a church, we're just not okay with that for a number of reasons. Uh, The Bible says in numerous places that we should look after the cause of orphans. Uh, Psalm chapter 68, God refers to himself as a father to the fatherless. And so we're going to be talking about this issue more and more uh, in the coming year as a church. But we're just asking the question of ourselves. Uh, what if we could take our, the size of our church and really lean in on this, put a shoulder in on this, by elevating the issue and even seeking to eliminate it? And I think that we could actually reduce the statistics alone. You know, we've talked about uh, how before, how in our city, uh, there may be people that don't believe what we believe and don't understand it, but they're grateful that we're here. I think this is one of those issues. Would you not agree? Amen. I hope you agree. And... Uh, And I think that we can actually do something about it. And so I want to encourage you, there's three things for you to consider. First of all, I know that a number of our families are already foster care families. But maybe God's laying this on your heart. And maybe you might want to sign up to be a foster, to foster a child of of all ages and backgrounds. Uh, Maybe, number two, you would want to just sign up to be part of a care community. Care communities come around foster families and just try to help them. They provide child care and meals and 
try to help with uh, um, uh, different projects around the house. Or number three, you might just uh, sign up to serve in one of the DCS offices. Uh, Regardless of where you feel God leading you to serve, you can get all that information at tpcc.org backslash stand Sunday. Uh, Well, I want to encourage you to uh, get your Bible and uh, maybe a Bible app and get to Ephesians chapter 6. If you are just now joining us, we're actually wrapping up a series Uh, But that's okay. I think that you'll be able to get caught up pretty quickly with where we've been. Uh, We've been in this series called Fresh Faith. And we've been taking a look at a a close look at this letter that Paul writes in the New Testament. In fact, the majority of the books in the New Testament, they're letters to just regular, ordinary people, not so different than you and me. And Paul writes this letter called Ephesians to a group of his friends living in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus was a Uh, a fast-paced, high-pressured kind of environment, and it was just sort of chipping away at their sense of peace, and I think that many of us can relate to that. It was just chipping away at their identity and an understanding of who they were, and so Paul writes this well-timed letter to remind them, and it's six chapters long. The first three chapters is he just spends a lot of time talking about the character and the nature of God. It's, it's thoughts on God. That's what theology is. And he just sort of lays the groundwork. And he says, listen, I don't know what your view of God is or the picture that's in your mind or what others have told you about him. But you need to know that he's a loving God, that he's an intentional God, that he chose you in advance that he decided long before you ever existed that he was going to set his love on you, that he wasn't going to wait for you to earn grace. He was just going to give it to you in advance. He was going to make a way through Jesus. And then in the last three chapters, he says, because of that understanding, this is the way we should now live our lives. Live your life out of that truth. And that should change the way you see others. It should change the way that you interact with them. It should change the way that you, that you walk and to stay upright in this upside-down world. Now, as we conclude this in chapter 6, here's what Paul's going to do. He's going to pull back the curtain, so to speak, and he's going to show us that there's more going on behind the scenes of this life and this world than what we might imagine. Now, I I don't think it's too far of a stretch for us because I think most of us know there's something not right in this world. And we know that, would you not agree with this statement? Life is hard. Anybody agree with that? You can talk to me, by the way. It's okay. Even if you're watching on a screen, just talk out loud. It's totally fine. Unless you got earbuds in, that's weird. All right. So, but would you not agree that life is hard? I think we'd all agree with that. Let me just look at this past week, and we see another shooting, and we see wildfires, and we see all the turmoil going on around the world. I think regardless of who you are, regardless of the generation you find yourself in, regardless of how you voted this last week or your social views, every single person globally would say, Yeah, life's hard. There's something about this life that's messed up. What we can't seem to agree on is who's to blame and how to fix it. And Paul's going to actually say in this letter, hey, there's actually a reason why life is so hard. And it's not necessarily because there's somebody to, to pin the blame on. It's because we actually have an enemy who is attacking us behind the scenes. And so Paul's going to say that you and I, we, we are in the middle of a very ugly war that we can't necessarily see. And so look with me at verse 10 in chapter 6. He starts off here and he says a final word because this is the conclusion of his letter. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's, what's the word? Just say it with me out loud. Armor. So that 
you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So what's he say here? He says, a final word, be strong. He doesn't say get strong. That, that's different. Get strong would be get yourself to the gym and start throwing some weights around. Right? Just get jacked. But he says, no, be strong. That's a different, that's like instant. That's automatic. You can't get strong in a minute, but you can be strong in a minute. He says, by tapping into the Lord's power that is readily available to you by his spirit. And then he says, put on all of God's armor, which is an indication of battle. He doesn't say put on God's t-shirt. He doesn't say put on God's parka. He says put on his armor, which shows us that we are actually in a battle, whether we realize it or not. And we, Would you not agree that um, the gear that you pack determines where you're going? Right? Like if you were packing for a vacation, uh, which by the way, there is a difference between a trip and a vacation. Did you know that? Yeah, a, a trip is when you're traveling with small kids. There ain't no vacation involved. That's work, all right? A vacation is when you, uh, there are no kids, all right? You can just let your hair down, all right? But so regardless, you're packing for a trip or a vacation, doesn't really matter. Like if you're packing and I kind of walked in while you were packing, you don't have to tell me where you're going. I can just kind of creep on you and look at what you're packing and I'll be able to tell you. So if you're packing a swimsuit and short sleeve t-shirts and sandals, I'm like, well, you're going to a beach. I despise you. And because uh, I want to go, all right? It's cold in Indiana right now. And, and, but if you're packing boots and scarves and gloves, and I'm going, oh, you're, you're headed to the mountains. You're headed somewhere cold. So you don't want to get those mixed up, right? Like, especially like if you're going skydiving, you don't want to be wearing scuba gear and vice versa. The gear that you have is really important to where you're going. Paul says here, man, put on some armor. Now, when do you put on armor? After you're in a battle or before you get into one? Yeah, it's before. You go ready. And he says, we need to put on this, this, this armor of God's. And then he says in verse 12, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so the first thing that he wants you and me to know is that we are in a battle. But the next thing he wants us to know is that we have an enemy. So if we were to outline these verses together, I might start this way. Paul's just simply saying, know your enemy. First of all, know that you have one. And that's like a recognition that there is an enemy out there. I, I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but have you ever felt such animosity from another person that you knew they were trying, they, they wanted, they were thinking ill towards you, they wanted to hurt you in some way. You know what that feels like? Whether it's physical or whether it's emotional, that is not a fun feeling when you know that somebody doesn't like you and they want to bring you down. Um, several years ago, our family was traveling. We'd been gone for several weeks and and uh, I get this uh, phone call. I didn't recognize the number, so I let it go to voicemail. And I listened to the message, and it was somebody claiming to work for the IRS. And they told me that there was a warrant out for my arrest uh, and that I owed uh, $5,500 in back taxes. I needed to call them right away. Now, I don't know why I called them back, but I did. 
uh, I'll blame it on uh, just being road weary. We'd been gone for several weeks. I thought, well, maybe they have shown up at my front door with the arrest warrant, and maybe I just need to call them and figure out what this is all about. And so I call them back, and they proceed. They're trying to fish. They're trying to get as much information out of me as they can. I said, I need to call my accountant. They said, no, your accountant doesn't have anything to do with this. This is just between you and the IRS. And I'm like, well, my accountant did my taxes. I think I need to call them. And they're just like arguing back and forth with me. And finally, they said, uh, they said hey, this can all go away. If you just, just give us a credit card number, we'll, we'll take care of the 5,500 right now. And that's when I was like, now, wait a second. And I said, I don't think this, is, this sounds right. And I realized that this was a, a scam. I'm a little late to the party, but I got there, all right? <laughs> and then the guy was like, well, good luck in jail, and like hangs up the phone. And, and I got to tell you, like, my palms were sweaty. Like, my heart was beating out of my chest. My adrenaline was pumping because I realized just how brazen they were I'm sitting here going, man, they could care less about me. i got a family to provide for, and they're trying to, they're trying to take me down immediately. I was just like, i got to get on one of those like, identity theft things, and i got to like, protect my, myself. And it is not a fun feeling to know you have an enemy. And Paul is saying to us, this is actually a, this is a word of encouragement and love to say, hey, listen, we, we've got an, an enemy here, and it's not a flesh and blood person. It's not somebody that you can see in front of you. It's somebody that you can't see. And that maybe sounds a little strange to some of us. Maybe some of us are a little bit skeptical of that whenever he talks about an unseen world. I understand that. I can be kind of skeptical of that as well. Because you know, Paul, he believed in an unseen spiritual realm, and Jesus did as well. Jesus was oftentimes in direct conflict with the demonic. In fact, Jesus even said, like something that he said to anchor his whole ministry is he says, I've come to bring liberty to the captives. That's the word he used. That, that's a terminology of war. That somebody is held captive by someone else. And Paul says, this enemy, you can't see him, but he's very, very real. In 2 Corinthians, he refers to him as an angel of light, which means that he will blend into whatever is required to deceive you and to cause you to put your guard down. In other words, he doesn't make himself obvious. Why would he? He, he? he doesn't work. Some of us have seen way too many horror movies. And we think, well, the unseen world, the dark world, satanic is like, Satan's not going to announce himself by causing somebody's eyes to roll back in their head or to crawl up a wall or to levitate six feet up in the air. He's going to be much, much more subtle than that. We've looked at this verse quite a bit. If you've been around here for a while, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where Peter warns us, he says, hey, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy. And then he names him, he says, the devil. And he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There's a couple of things I just want to point out here. The first thing is that he says we have an enemy, he has a name, his name's the devil or, or Satan. And he, and he describes him as, as a lion, which, which means that he's part of, that's part of the cat family, which just reinforces the whole idea that cats are demonic, which is why I don't like them. All right? You need to get them out of your house. All right? And don't send me an email. Take it up with God. There's a Bible verse right here for this, all right? All right, so the the second thing that he says here, he says this enemy prowls. That's like um, hunting terminology. And so he is like a, a hunter. And some of us may scoff at the idea of Satan 
Statistically speaking, more people believe in God than believe in, in Satan. And so maybe what comes to your mind is this cartoon character with a pointy little mustache and horns and a pitchfork. And he would just rather you think of him that way and just kind of laugh it off as just some sort of a car- cartoon character. I think, I think that he is more than okay if you don't believe in him. In fact, I think he could really care less if you believe in him or not. Because he is not after your affection. He is after your destruction. And hunters don't announce their presence. They would rather their prey not see them. And I don't know how many of you are deer hunters or turkey hunters. I can guarantee you, though, you don't walk out into the woods with a bunch of neon colors and announce your presence. <laughs> Turkeys, I'm here now. Right? No, no what do you do? You, you stay camouflaged. Paul says he will camouflage himself. He'll be unseen. He'll, he'll masquerade as an angel of light. Now listen, I think part of the reason why some of us are skeptical of this kind of talk is because we, we know people that have maybe fallen into one of two categories. Maybe we, we know people, there's a couple of mistakes when it can come to kind of the unseen world is that, is that some of us can attribute every single negative circumstance to satanic attack. You know those people? You, you work with some of those people, right? And every time they have a bad day, it's satanic attack. Author C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said that when it comes to Satan, people usually fall into one of two errors. We either take him altogether too seriously. In other words, we give him too much credit. Or we do not take him seriously enough. So we take him too seriously. What's that look like? Well, have you ever talked to somebody and you're like, hey, how's your day going? And they're just like, oh, it's just really awful. I'm just under such demonic attack. Well, what do you mean? Well, my alarm didn't go off this morning and I got a flat tire on the way to work and I went to the grocery store to get some avocados and they weren't ripe. I mean, it's just just <laughs> lots of demonic attack. I don't, I don't know that Satan is in your avocados, all right? I just... We give him too much credit. Yes, he's a lion, but I like how author um, Ann Voskamp says it. He's a lion on a leash. <laughs> that Jesus has already defeated him. I mean, you need to be aware of him, but you don't need to be, like, paralyzed by him, right? And so... But the other, the other error that we can make is we just neglect him altogether, we just laugh it off as just if it's something silly. Uh, the great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way. He says, I'm certain that one of the main causes of the mess that we are in today is because the devil is being forgotten. Like we, we are so focused on thinking that that person over there is our enemy or that government over there is our enemy that we fail to see the real one. He says, your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy is unseen. And so make sure that you understand that. That that other person, you might disagree with them all day long on every single issue. They are not your enemy, though. We have a common enemy that wants to take us down, and one of the ways in which he does it is he'll cause us to turn on each other. Why do you think there is so much division in this world today? Because he's distracting us with with just differences of opinion in somebody else. And so here's the thing. What fuels your spiritual apathy and mine is that oftentimes we forget we have an enemy. So, So what's worse than being in a war with someone that you can't see. Not realizing that you're in one. And you wander out into the battlefield in a pair of sandals and shorts and a t-shirt when you should be wearing armor. Have you ever noticed, has there ever been any time in your life when you've just 
felt that some temptations were just too perfectly timed. And it's like, maybe you and your spouse haven't been connecting lately, and you've been running a million miles an hour, and you're like, man, something needs to be done. I know something needs to be done. I know that we need to connect. And so maybe you, you schedule a date night, and you get the babysitter, and you make the dinner reservations, and you need this time to connect. But on the way out the door, you get into some petty argument over something you can't even remember, and it just ruins the whole evening. Is that a, is that a coincidence, or is that just something really well-timed? And maybe for some of us, right after we make the decision to be generous, the car needs a new transmission. Maybe for some of us, when we're feeling lonely or stressed or tired, there's that dark thought that flashes across our mind, and we're like, where in the world did that come from? See, we have an enemy that'll take a shot at you when you're down, and he actually will even take a bigger shot at you after some of your greatest victories. He, 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 he's been doing this a lot longer than you've been around. And so he knows, he knows how to deceive you. He, he, knows how to, he, know, he knows when your guard is down. He knows that part of the body armor that you've left ex- exposed because you haven't been paying much attention to it. And so sometimes his attacks are really subtle and sometimes they are really direct. And I think that for many of us, sometimes we just need to realize that maybe in life this is more than just struggles and temptations, but there's actually an enemy that's seeking to bring us down. Actually, I, I don't know that I've ever said this from this stage, but there have been strategic moments in my life when I felt the, the presence of just an enemy planting thoughts in my head, getting me to self-talk to myself, deception, like I would never preach those things. I know they're not true. Placing me in a moment of temptation where I know that if I went down that trail, then it would cause a whole bunch of hurt. It's been those moments where I could feel almost the breath of an unseen enemy that's reinforced my belief and trust in a good God. And some of us, we just need to recognize the kind of battle that we're in. Now, here's the good news. Some of you have been, you're like, please get to the good news, all right? Here's the good news is that just understanding this can drive you and me towards a greater dependence on God like never before. Hey, get this. Uh, you, you show me a room of passionate worshipers, I'll show you a room of people who know they're in a battle. You show me a room of people that are apathetic and just sort of like asleep at the steering wheel, then we're unaware We're unaware that we have an enemy. And so Paul says here at the end of his letter, he says, hey, prepare for battle. And the battle cry is Jesus. And so he says in verse 13, he says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. That's so vital. Don't just put on like eight pieces out of 10. Put on every single piece of God's armor, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Well, when is the time of evil? I don't know, but I'm guessing when you least expect it, when you let your guard down. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And so he says here that we are in a battle with an enemy who is powerful and deceptive, and he fights dirty. And you and I are too weak, and and we are too prideful, and we are too easily satisfied. And he says, just put on the armor that God's made available to you and to me. He shares it with us, but you got to pick it up and you got to put it on. And then he says in verse 14, he says, stand your ground. I love that. Do you know there's only two places in the Bible where it tells us to flee? 
That's whenever we come face to face with financial sin or sexual sin. He says, don't even, don't even get into the octagon with those two things. They are way too skilled for you. Be like Joseph. Just run. Everything else, it says stand. It says stand firm, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. So he starts with the belt. The belt is so important, right? You don't want your pants falling down in a battle. You don't want your pants falling down anytime, all right? Just, just put on that belt. And he says the belt is truth. It fortifies you. The belt are the truths of God's word. That's why we rehearse it every single time we gather together here is that we need the truths of God's word because where the truth fortifies you, Satan cannot attack you. So the question is, whose voice are you listening to? And then he says, put on the body armor of God's righteousness. Body armor is that thing that just covers over vital organs. And he says, the body armor that you put on is God's righteousness. That's what lordship is. And I don't know about you, but anybody that puts on body armor, that what they're saying is, is that um, I'm a mortal being. I can be taken down. And that's what God's righteous, God says, hey, you, you need my righteousness to cover over some of your vital organs because weakness is an advantage because dependence is the objective. And whenever we put on the body armor of God, we're saying, God, we are completely dependent upon you. Verse 15, he says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Everybody knows that a good pair of kicks are so important. Can I get a good amen? All right. They are. You're not ready to go until you got your shoes on. And your shoes just provide some stability. Sh shoes are actually, once again, they indicate what you're getting ready to go do. Like you're not going to go run a marathon in work boots. You got to put on the right kind of shoes. And he says, make sure that your feet are steady and ready for whatever it is that might be thrown at you. Verse 16, he says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith. That's interesting. He says, hold it up. Don't, it doesn't do you any good down here. He says, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And this piece of armor communicates maybe more than any of the others that no matter how skilled of a warrior you might be, you're not invincible. That you can be taken down. And so what a shield says is that no matter how good you are on the battlefield, one random arrow can still take you down, which is why you need a full body shield. Because you and I, we are, we are as sick as our secrets. And if you are hiding something, that means that you're un, there's a place in your life that's uncovered. You know what's better than one shield? Two shields. See how I did that right there? Right? You know what's better than two shields? is a whole bunch of shields. And did you know that a Roman shield was designed to link up to the warrior standing next to them? It's kind of like this picture right here. So when you get into a really heated battle, like you need somebody to watch your back and your sides, and, and could I say that that's maybe a really good visual of what being in a group is, which is why we keep harping on you to get into one. And it's not because... I want all of you to be in one of our groups. If you don't want to be in one of our groups, it doesn't have to be here. Just get in one. And what a group is, is just a group of people that you're meeting with sometime during the week in which you're actually just getting vulnerable with, that you're actually doing life together. They've actually linked up arms. They're actually, they've got your back. You're linking shields together because we can all be taken down. And then in verse 17, he says, put on, the, on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the God. See, your head is where you think, and everything else emanates from there. So why we're going to talk a lot about the head and our thoughts next week, the next couple of weeks. 
He says, man, put on the helmet of salvation. Remember what God did for you through Jesus, which is why the book of Ephesians provides fresh faith, is that Paul is just rehearsing who God is and where our salvation comes from and what that means. And then he says, pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is not your feelings. It's not your impressions. It's not your experiences. It's the Word of God. So pick it up and use it. And then he wraps it up in verse 18. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. And stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You know, we oftentimes forget that prayer is a piece of God's armor. James tells us that one of the most effective things that we can do is pray. That the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And so prayer is not the only thing that we do, but it is the first thing that we do. And we stay consistent in it. And so Paul says, man, don't give up. Don't give up. Know that you have an enemy. Prepare for battle. But don't give up. And all three of those things are so vital in our walk with God. As some of us, maybe we know we have an enemy. Maybe we prepared for battle, but we gave up. We, we let our guard down. Or, or maybe we get to this place where we don't think, I don't think I need to keep the shield up anymore. I think I'm pretty good. But see, here's the thing. If Jesus was attacked, then what makes you and me think that we won't? And right after Jesus was called into his ministry, or when he began his formal ministry at the age of 30, he went off into the wilderness and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, but that made him weak physically, and that's when Satan attacked him. And Jesus was able to fend off all of the temptations through truth. He had put on, he demonstrated for us the body armor that God has given to us. So, so here's just the thought or the question that I just simply want to leave with you is, is, are you aware of the battle? And do you know who your real enemy is? And are you prepared? And don't give up. See, I'm afraid that for many of us, we're just sort of spiritually apathetic. Tonight, like if you, uh, after you went to bed, if you woke up in the middle of the night and you heard the shattering of glass and you heard strange footsteps downstairs, and you knew that somebody had just broken into your house, that there was an enemy in your midst, I can guarantee you that you're not just going to shrug your shoulders and roll over and say, oh well, and go back to sleep. But yet many of us, that's what we're doing spiritually. Like we know there's an enemy that's in front of us, and so the, half the battle is just being aware of it and being alert. Maybe today, some of you, some of you have brilliant minds. You are an intellect, and you know what? He's so good, the enemy is so good, he can take that intellect and use it against you by causing you to think that you're just simply too smart for God, too smart for all this like unseen world stuff. Some of you are really, really gifted, and you've got amazing talents and abilities, and he'll use those against you because he'll get you to be too dependent upon what you can do. So whatever it is, he, you, you and I, we're, we're just simply outmatched. And for many of us, the, the best thing that we can do is just to recognize how weak we really are and to just cry out to God. You, you know, for me, one of the, the sobering realities of just life in general, but even the scriptures more specifically, is that when you study history and when you look at the Bible, very, very few people finish well. But a lot of people, when they get down to the end of this life, maybe there's some decisions that they made that, that maybe ruined them financially or maybe damaged them relationally. And I long to hit the, the tape at the end of my life knowing that I didn't live a perfect life, but I do want to finish well. 
And the way in which we finish well is by being consistent and persistent every single day, not to be strong in our own power, but to tap into the power that God wants to give us. Not to get strong, to be strong. To put on the armor that he has made available to us. And I think that one of the first steps towards a fall is thinking you can't fall. You know, 30% of the leaders in the Bible that are clearly identified did not finish well. Or only, only, I'm going to say that again, only 30% finished well. The rest didn't. And so if they can't, then what makes me think I can? I can't in my own power. You want to know when Satan hits me the hardest? Usually right after I preach. Usually on Sunday nights. Oftentimes in those seasons of my life when I feel like I've just achieved my greatest victory and I maybe let my guard down or I maybe allow too much self-talk to run through my mind and then all of a sudden he starts to deceive me with the same question that he deceived Adam and Eve with. Did God really say? And so today, as we spend just a few moments taking communion and reflecting upon the message and as we begin to sing, can I, just, can I ask you at all of our campuses not to leave right now? It always seems like about 100 people bail out of here right after I pray. Maybe you got places to go. I, I understand. Maybe you just got to go to the bathroom. Don't want to judge you, all right? But the moments that we're getting ready to spend in next are the most important moments of our time together. Because worship is war. And we need this time to cry out to a God who wants to give you his armor. So let's do that today in just a spirit of weakness. Father, we come to you today and we need you because we have an enemy who's been at war way longer than we've been alive. And he's way more skilled and way more deceptive and way more camouflaged than we oftentimes give him credit for. And so God, we just become aware of that. Now we're not afraid of him because you defeated him. But yeah, we wanna be aware of his deceptions and how he seeks to cause chaos and division and hatred. God, in Jesus' name, we push that stuff back because our battle cry is the name of Jesus. And so, God, I pray that as we reflect through communion and as we lift our voices together, that you would be pleased by what you see, that it would fortify us and encourage us. I pray that if there's anybody here right now who is alone or feels alone, that they would know by your spirit that they are not. They're with family. So meet us in this place, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.